make a tree good and its fruit will be good or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you, that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. We are continuing this sermon series about some of the hard sayings of Jesus, things that sometimes confuse us or that it's easy to pass over and go, wait a minute, oh no, not that one, and then we go on to something we like a little better. And today we are looking at this passage that says that we're going to have to give account for every empty, careless word that we speak. Now, when we stop and think about this, it's kind of a hard thing uh, to, to deal with as a Christian. Uh, any word that comes out of our mouth that is careless or, or we're cranky or whatever, we're going to have to give an account before God, or so says Jesus here. And, and that word empty or careless is in Greek, it's argos, and that really could mean barren. It could mean that it doesn't produce fruit. But it can also mean lazy. All of our lazy words. Things that we just say or just repeat. And we're going to be held accountable for them. So I think it's important for us today to begin with this understanding of words in the word. Because you know what? In Genesis chapter 1. When God creates all that is, God creates by speaking. God creates by words. God said, let there be light. So all that exists is created by words. Then if you turn to the New Testament, you go to John chapter 1, it's going to tell us that the word became flesh and dwelled among us. That Jesus is God's word in a human being in our midst, God's word present to us. And of course, we talk about scripture as the word of God. So we know there is something really important about the word of God, but there's also something really important about human words, about the human ability to have language and to speak words. I mean, we are the only creature in all of God's creation that has language. Now, that's not to say that animals don't communicate. Anyone who has a pet knows full well your animals communicate. Uh, but they do so through, you know, chirps and barks and roars and squeals and whatever else. We know trees communicate underground through the roots and through fungus. So, sure, God's creation 
communicates, but it is only the human creature that has language. We are the only ones, to the best of our knowledge, who can think abstractly. Now, we human beings, we think about justice, for example. But I'm here to tell you that that pride of lions, when it sees the lone gazelle separated from its herd, they don't sit down and have a meeting and say, is it just to chase down the gazelle and eat it? They just chase down the gazelle and eat it because that's how they are created. They can't think abstractly. They just operate out of instinct. But you and I as human beings, we can think about justice. We have the capacity to think about the past and to think about the future. We can express hope. We can express love in, in all these different aspects of what it is to be human and we are probably the only creature that can think about and speak about God. And so we are given this special gift of language and words that is to allow us to know God and to live this kind of life. It's, it's one of the things that makes us in the image of God is this ability to speak. And yet... It also means we are the only creature that can choose because we don't operate out of instinct, because we do have this capacity for words and for thought. We get to choose what we will say, what we will do. And that makes the human being unique and makes it a little more complicated when we know that the words that come out of our mouth have this element of free will and have choice behind it. Now, I did a little bit of research. I wanted to know how many words does the average adult speak per day? And the latest research that I could find seemed to say that most adults, male and female, didn't make a real difference, speak about 16,000 words a day. Now, of course, they have to eliminate preachers who are anomalies. But, you know, we have this, this idea that uh, uh, women are more talkative than men, but the studies didn't prove that out. In fact, in the largest study, the three... Uh, who talked the most in a given day, the top three were all three men. But there are also some men who are very reticent. But for human beings across the board as an adults, about 16,000 words a day. Now, let's say if that's it per day, then per year we're talking about, we speak about 5.8 million words. And for those of you who are uh, going to think about all the variables, just... I'm looking at Dale and David. Just set the variables aside and go with me on this. Okay, 5.8 million per year. That means if you lived, say, 85 years, you've spoken about 500 million words. That's a lot of words. And let's say that as, as Christians, followers of Jesus, we 90% of the words across our lifetime have been good words. There's 10% that were lazy, thoughtless, careless, 
or intended to do one thing and did another and all those kinds of things, that is still 50 million words that, to which we would be held accountable. That is 8.5 years of our lives. Now, if, if you are like me, you know, you, you've always had this image of, of on Judgment Day, you know, you sit down and God's going to go through these 50 million words with you. And, and I can just see it, you know. Okay, Elaine, on uh, March 3rd, 1986, you said this. Remember what I said yesterday, Lord, let alone in 1986. And guess what? I don't even remember ever having met that person. Right? I mean, you know, we are just not wired to remember all these things we did along the way and said along the way. And yet we're being told we're going to be held accountable for all 50 million, even, even 5 million words that we ever said that were empty. Well, here's the first thing. I don't really think Jesus wants us to take this quite so literally. Because so much of what Jesus teaches us is in parables, is in stories, is in things that are designed to make us stop and think. To make us think a little more carefully about our life in God than a lot of people do. I mean, that's why he doesn't say, okay, here's the way things are, this is that. Instead, he says, well, let me tell you a little story. Because he wants us to be able to think through, to use this gift of words and language that we have. And when we start to think about how he doesn't want us to literally think about sitting down to 50 million words with God, there's something else to look at in this passage. And is throughout it, he sets this thing up, right, where there's good trees and bad trees, good fruit and bad fruit. There are, you know, good hearts and evil hearts. That there's this sort of dichotomy that's running through the whole thing. And the first thing here we need to understand is the word good. Because good is talking about that which is beneficial. Think of it this way. It's what's giving life to others and to us. When we say God is good all the time, we're saying God is giving life all the time. God is the creator and sustainer of life. God is good because God is about life and that abundant. So that which is good is giving life. Now, on the other hand, that which is bad or evil, and, and it's important here, the word evil that's being used, there are several Greek words that we translate as evil, and they don't carry the same kind of weight. This word is poneros, and it really means harmful. It means disease. And if you think about it, what it's saying is it's undermining life. It's not building up. It's somehow tearing down. It's somehow making disease. It's harmful. So this form of evil or bad is simply that whatever it is you're saying is not giving life. It's not building up. 
Now that gives us the ability when we think in these terms to simply ask, is what I'm saying giving life? Is what I'm saying going to build up? And this doesn't mean you never say a critical word because you know you think, well, then I won't say anything. But of course, to say nothing can do as much harm when you see something wrong and you say nothing, you've done harm there as well. You'll have to give an account for the words you didn't say because God would want you to give life. So think about our kids, right? We do uh, a lot of correction with them wherever Harper went. Uh, she, she had to get out of here because her words weren't good. But our children, when they do things that are wrong, we don't just let it pass. But we teach and correct them in a way that gives life to them. Uh, we don't like the parents who go, you're stupid, smack. Don't do that. Why? Because it's not helpful. It's not building up the kids. It, it, it's creating injury. It's creating harm. And the kid will carry that message for the rest of their lives, which is why there's nothing wrong with that word of correction. It's just what is that spirit within? How is it, is it coming out of gentleness and love and compassion when we speak or are the motivations other motivations? Am I speaking because I want to win the argument? Am I speaking because I want my way to prevail? Am I speaking because I don't like you? I like you, Jeff. So this is sort of the first thing the passage is really trying to say to us is, are your words bringing life to others? That's it. Think about that when something is going to come out of your mouth. But then there's this second. It's set up so neatly, and yet there's not a one of us in here who knows, hey, I can't be perfect 100% of the time. Once in a while, something is going to come out of my mouth, no matter how hard I'm trying to be good, say good, do good. Once in a while, me and my human imperfection, and we are all imperfect, I'm going to mess up. I'm not perfectly good, nor am I ever going to be perfectly bad for one moment in my life or one period in my life? You know, there's this uh, TV show, Turn. I don't know if any of you have seen it. It's on Netflix now. It's about uh, spies in the Continental Army in the Revolutionary War. And the main character is Abraham, a cabbage farmer, who becomes a spy for General Washington. And you know there's a reason that spy rhymes with lie? Because you can't be a good spy without telling a lot of lies. But of course, uh, they're always going to say, well, we're doing it for the cause. We're doing it for the cause of liberty. We're doing it for a good purpose. Now, meanwhile, the, the British who are in the show uh, and the, the British armies also have spies, and they're doing it for their cause, uh, for the crown and for the divine right of their king and all those kinds of things. Both sides are saying what they say and doing what they do because uh, they're doing it for the righteousness that they see in their cause. And so it's, the show is interesting because every character 
has these mixed motivations. They're doing one thing that's good, and then they're doing something that's bad. Except for one character. Has anybody seen this show? No one. Yes, one. There's one character who seems evil throughout the show, and he's nodding, who is, I'm thinking, this guy is a psychopath. He is horrible, and his name is Major Simcoe. And he is a British officer who seems to take great delight in injuring, maiming, and killing. I mean, he's just like a psychopath. And, and throughout the show, he's, he'll be manipulating in the background to get someone he doesn't like. And you're like, this guy is evil. Ugh, worst character ever. Well, in the final episode of the series, and this doesn't give away the series if you want to go watch it, Abraham the Cabbage Farmer Spy is writing a letter like 40 years later to his son about what he did in the war. And in the midst of it, he's telling, okay, and uh, this other major uh, in the British Army, he became a famous astronomer in England and, and the the head of intel for Washington, he became a congressman. And Major Simcoe, the personification of evil, was appointed by the crown after the war to be governor of a Canadian province. And he, by decree, wrote out a decree that abolished slavery and freed all the slaves. You think, well, that's a good act. You don't know the motivations, but nonetheless, all of a sudden you see this guy who was so bad. Maybe he's not totally evil? And that is the point. And the point throughout the show, there is no one that is totally good, no one that is totally evil. And if you get right down to it, because we have this choice, we human beings, with our ability to think and with our words, can only rely on one thing, and that is to allow the Word to dwell in us, to open ourselves to the Word that is God, to allow Jesus to push us with hard sayings, to rethink, to make sure we're not going down a path of our own making, that we are trying a day in and day out to align our words and our lives with the word of God that has been given to us and is still with us in the Holy Spirit. If you take one step back from the passage we read today, the two verses that precede it are Jesus saying there is only one unpardonable sin, and it is blasphemy against the Spirit. In other words, the only thing that can ever separate us from God is our choice to reject God, our choice not to open ourselves to the Word and let the Word dwell within us. The good news is that we aren't perfect, and God knows it. And that our choice in this life is to think about what we say, to think about the words we use, to build up rather than tear down. But most of all, 
to open ourselves to that word of God, which is the only thing that can truly make us good. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.